0: I enjoyed um, telling story, and many times, uh, I give all the blow-by-blow version of the story. However, my family uh, likes to get the short version of the story instead of the long version. The other day, my son noticed that I was taking a little longer than normal, dumping the garbage, and he came out to see if I needed some help. For those that know me, I really like to be efficient with our time as well as the use of space. I was telling him that I was cleaning out, the pantry, and I gave him all the little details of how I was going to clean and, 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 and consolidate it, all the empty boxes, and to throw it all away, and, well, he really didn't care about any of that. Matter of fact, uh, in the middle of my story, he sort of uh, cut me off, he says, Dad, um, you know, what, what, what's, what's the bottom line? And I, I'm sure a number of you are kind of the bottom line kind of people. Now, don't, don't tell me that whole long story. Just tell me those critical points. If you were to sum up in a sentence, would you just do that? Well, how many of you are kind of bottom line people? Any, any show of hand here? Oh, yeah, yeah, a bunch of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I were to ask you, what's the bottom line for Christianity, what would you say? What's the most important doctrine in Scripture? How's that related to the gospel? If you were to summarize Christianity in one word or one phrase, what would that be? Would you say, the deity of Christ? Or maybe you might say, "What, well, God, the creator of the universe. Or maybe you might say, the virgin birth of Christ. Or, or maybe the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, no. You know, all those are important doctrines. But yet, the most important doctrine in Scripture is the resurrection. The bottom line, when we say for the gospel, for salvation as a whole, is the resurrection. Now, in preparation for Easter, we'll be preaching about the resurrection from First Corinthians chapter 15 in the next three weeks. If you open your bulletin in there, there's a sermon outline you can follow along to. With me. The Corinthians uh, lived in Corinth, and Corinth was a a Greek city, and they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. And because of this influence of the culture, the Corinthians began to to question about the resurrection. They were wandering. Off from the truth, and we see here in First Corinthians, uh, Paul had to call them back. Every claim from Christianity has roots in Christ's resurrection. What we believe about this life as well as the life to come afterward depends upon what happens to Jesus when he died. And Paul answers the questions of why. Resurrection is such promise, 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 belief. We also see that uh, in this passage, how the resurrection was attacked. What proof is there to show that indeed Jesus rose from the dead? And how is this power of resurrection being demonstrated in our life today? Verse alike for us, take a look at the prominence of the resurrection. Now, the first point is that the resurrection of Christ is the focal point in reference to salvation. We see uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul clarified what the gospel is all about in its relationship. To the resurrection. In verse 1, it says, Now, brethren, I want to remind you of the gospel I preach to you, which you receive, and on which you have taken your stands. You have taken the gospel, the good news. You have, you have embraced it. You have believed it. Paul was saying to the Corinthians, and he was basically saying, Well, it doesn't make any sense if you believe in the good news, the gospel, and you question about the resurrection. The resurrection is the pivotal doctrine of Christianity. And the resurrection tells us what is truth. We know that there is new life in Christ. And if Christ did not, rise from the dead, there is really no hope in salvation. See, the Greeks uh, deceived the Corinthians believers and distorted the truth about the resurrection. And it caused believers to doubt. Therefore, Paul explained the truth of the gospel and how the resurrection is the key to receiving salvation which then leads us to the second point here. The resurrection of Christ is the focal point in reference to Scripture. Now, if someone would have gotten into an accident right in front here, in front of our church in South Main, and if they were dying, and and if they were to ask you, how can I get to heaven? What would you tell him? He might have just a minute to live. What is the bottom line for the gospel? Well, we see it here in chapter 15, uh, verses 3 to 5. Verse 3 says, For what I receive I pass on to you as the first importance that Christ die for our sins according to the Scripture that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. When Paul here talks about according to the Scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament Scripture. You see, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament is only a temporary solution. It's a temporary system in taking away the penalty of the people's sin. One needs to repeat itself time and time again when they offer up animal sacrifice because it does not really take away sin permanently. In the Old Testament, saints were looking forward to the coming Messiah who will indeed come to take away their sin permanently. We see in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 46, Prophesy about this coming Messiah. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrow, yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus came on earth and became a man and identified as one of us. And then he offered himself as that perfect, Sinless sacrifice, which is totally different from the animal sacrifice, which is not perfect. When Christ rose from the dead, it shows clearly that God has accepted the sacrifice that Christ has offered up on our behalf. Did Jesus Christ, the Messiah, fulfill the Old Testament sacrificial system and the resurrection of Christ? Is the focal point in reference to Scripture. In other words, the bottom line for the gospel is that Jesus died for our sins, and he rose again. See, because the wages of sin is death. We either have to pay that penalty ourselves or have somebody else pay that penalty on our behalf. And Jesus paid that penalty for our sins by dying on the cross. Well, how do we know that Jesus died? We see here in this passage that he was buried. Well, how do we know that he resurrected? He rose from the dead. Uh, It says also in this passage that he appeared to many. Now, since resurrection is the cornerstone for the gospel, the resurrection has been the target of Satan's greatest attack against the church. See, the Greeks did not believe the resurrection. They believe that when the body dies, it disintegrates while the soul and the spirit rest. Now, other Greek philosophers believes in dualism which consider everything spiritual to be intrinsically good yet on the other hand everything physical is intrinsically evil it would be unthinkable you want to take our physical body with you after death because it is evil and because of the influence of the greeks the believers started questioning about the resurrection. In the same way, as we look in our society, it's also influenced some of us. The society emphasized the importance of tolerance. There's really no absolute. Everyone has their own belief, and you should not impose your belief upon other people. The the world distorts truth. Some of us as believers are influenced by it. But we need to uphold to Scripture, which holds on to truth. You see, truth is truth, whether we like it or not. And God has said absolute truth. And there are consequences for not believing in it. Yes, we are to be respectful to others and what they might believe. But more importantly, we need to embrace truth. And there are dreadful consequences if indeed there is no resurrection. And as we take a look in verses 14 to 19, we see there are six dreadful consequences if, indeed there is no resurrection, we see in verse 14, the first consequence is that preaching would be pointless. It says that preaching would be in vain if there is no resurrection. This word "vain" means empty, futile, with no purpose. Or another word, a colossal of waste of time. If Christ did not resurrect, then we are wasting our time being here. I'm wasting my time preaching to you. You're wasting your time listening to all of this because it does not have any value whatsoever. The heart of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. Then he rose again. And as he rise again, he shows that God has accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And we see in verse 14, not only is our preaching pointless or in vain, but also our faith is in vain, or our or faith would be foolish. Does that make any sense if the resurrection did not take place? Our faith would be empty, be futile. It's foolish because it does not have any Thing to base upon it, see one of the biggest difference between Christianity and all other religion is that we believe in a living God and not a dead one. All the founders of other religion lived and died, and they are still dead. However, Jesus lived died, and is alive. Praise God. We see the, the third consequences. If, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then the disciples would be deceivers. They would be false witnesses. And we see this in verses 15 and 16. In other words, they would be liars. See, false witness when we talk about uh, one going to a courtroom is one who knowingly and deliberately perjures himself and becomes a liar. Now, let me explain that. There's a big difference between a hypocrite and a martyr. See, a man may live For a lie, but few, if any at all, would die for a lie. Besides the apostle John, all of Jesus' disciples died because of their faith in Christ, their faith in the resurrection. It would not make any sense if they knew that it was a lie, and we're willing to die for a lie. The fourth consequence is if Jesus is still in the grave, then sin would be superior. See in verse 17, it says that you would still be in sin. Sin would sin is superior. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the indicates that God's wrath was not appeased. God did not accept the payment of Christ. And our sins are not forgiven. We would be accountable to the Lord. The fifth consequences... As recorded in verse 18, is that death would have dominion. It says that uh, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. They're still lost. In other words, our loved ones, those that have placed their faith in Christ but have died, they are still lost. Death would have dominion, death has won. The penalty of death, which is death, the penalty of sin, which is death, has not been paid for. Therefore, we will face eternal consequences. And lastly, the future would be futile if Christ did not resurrect. Verse 19, it says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Therefore, there is no hope in the future. The believers that have suffered for the gospel could only be pity. Those who live for the pleasure of the moment would be right all along. In summary, of all these different consequences, we know that the preaching of the gospel would be meaningless. Faith in Christ would be worthless because Christ did not raise from the dead. All of mankind would still be in sin. And there's no hope for the future. But the good news is, as we take a look in verse 20, It says, but Christ has indeed raised from the dead the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. And we praise God that Christ did raise from the dead. Well, what proof do we have that Christ resurrected? I want you to go back to verse 5 to 8. When we go to a court of law, in order to prove something is true, we need to have eyewitnesses. Matter of fact, the more eyewitnesses to verify what really has happened, the better it would be. It was not only one eyewitness as being described in these verses, but numerous individuals. He not uh, only t- appeared. In one occasion, but numerous occasions. We see the resurrection of Christ appear to individuals, not only individuals, such as to Peter, James, and the Apostle Paul, but he also the resurrection appear to a large group, twice to his disciples, and once to 500 people. Let's take a look in verse. And then he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. We see that it is important that Jesus appeared to a large group of people at the same time. Because some people back in those days claimed that uh, those eyewitnesses only uh, hallucinated, only imaginary thought they saw Jesus. Well, that cannot be true. If five hundred of them at the same time hallucinated at the same thing, that just that just not true. Um, also, we see that this uh, these witnesses, these eyewitnesses, were still alive. Most of them, when the apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians. Therefore, you can go back and uh, check that out to see if it really is true. And, And no one refuted their testimony at that time. See, indeed, Jesus rose from the dead. We see that the resurrection Christ appeared not only to individuals, not only to a large group, but resurrection Christ also changed lives. We've seen, seen Paul talks about his life in verses nine to 11. but Jesus, this resurrection power, can also change our lives as well. In matter of fact, uh, this power of resurrection can overcome death as well as overcome the power of sin in our life let me just talk about the power over death because christ died to bear our sin is satisfying the righteous demand of god because our penalty of sin has been paid for our sins are forgiven And because of the resurrection, we have the power to overcome death. For Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. By believing in Christ's death and resurrection, what he has done on the cross, we are saved. We will be assured of eternal life. And we have the confidence that if anything happens to us, that we will go to heaven. We have victory over death. Some of us might say, well, I don't really need to worry about death at this time. I'm, I'm young and I'm in good shape and all. I can wait until I get a little bit older. Well, a few years ago, it um, one of our pianists in the Chinese uh, worship team, who was only 27 year- old, a graduate student, came down with pneumonia, and within a few days, he went home to be with the Lord. Although t- he's no longer with us, we know that uh, he has placed his trust in Jesus Christ. And just as Christ resurrected, he was resurrected and is with the Lord in heaven. And those who believe in Jesus also has the power to overcome death. We have no fear of death. We have really no control as to when it's time for us to go. Even though we might be young and of good, health uh, yet uh, we have no control of when our time is up every breath that we take is a demonstration of God's grace to us may we learn to be appreciative of the life that God has given to us and too often we tend to complain about things that we do not have instead of being grateful for all that God's already provided for us and most importantly God has provided us to have a path to eternal life. If we do not trust in Christ, there will be dreadful consequences. And for some of us that might not know Christ, personally, I invite you to believe in Him today. And because of the resurrection, we not only have power over death, but we also have power over sin. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been free from Sin, the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, can also transform life. God can change the coldest heart, the most selfish people, the most evil sinners. No matter what kind of bad habits that we might have, God can help us to gain victory over it. Whether we might have a problem with procrastination or pornography, or anger, or greed, or prying, or a loose tongue. Uh, don't underestimate the power of God. Do your life need to be changed? the power that resurrected Christ is also available to us to change and transform our lives. God can change you today. He has set us free from the penalty of sin as well as the power of sin. No longer do we need to fear death or fear about our bad habits has given us victory because of the resurrection. And I invite you to submit yourself to God today. In a couple of weeks, Easter will be here. People that normally do not attend church are usually open to attending an Easter worship service. In conclusion... I'd like to challenge all of us here that we take advantage of this special time. I'd like you to think about and identify three people that do not know the Lord. I encourage you to pray for them every day. And then invite them to our Easter service. And may they come to hear the good news of the gospel and the resurrection of Christ.